Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. If it's your custom, if you stand for the reading of the word, I'd like to turn in the word to First uh, Samuel. First Samuel, chapter fifteen. First Samuel chapter fifteen, and we'll start in verse one. I'm going to read from the New King James version. If you have a different version, that's okay, and it it'll be on the screen here. Let me get my timer here so y'all don't uh, have to keep reminding me while I'm preaching. <laughs> First Samuel fifteen. Samuel also said to Saul. The Lord sent me to anoint you, king over his people, over Israel. Now, therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. We'll skip down to verse 9. But Saul and the people spared Agag, and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the, the lambs, and all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless, that they utterly destroyed We'll skip down to verse 13. Then Samuel said to Saul, or then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. But Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said to Saul, Be quiet, and I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, Speak on. So Samuel said, When you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. And brought back Agag, king of Amalek. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the plunder, sheep, and oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. So Samuel said, 
Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. Doesn't that just give you goosebumps? That's sobering. I would like to preach with you tonight with the help of the Lord. I I felt this strongly when um, we set this up to come minister to you. I felt this strongly, and I, I believe it's for somebody, a convenient sacrifice. I like what um, Brother Kleindent says. He's an evangelist. He says, you should never let anybody preach to you that you haven't prayed for. Amen. So can we go to the Lord in prayer? And as we do, could you pray for me that we that I would deliver the word to you as he would want it? Lord, we thank you for your grace and your, your mercy to us tonight. Thank you for the spirit of God that we feel in this place, Lord. You didn't have to meet us here, but you did because, Lord, you've got something for somebody. And I'm asking, please don't let me miss it, God. I don't want to miss the opportunity that you've afforded me tonight. I'm not promised tomorrow, God, but I want to take your word, not just hear your word, but be a doer of the word, God. I want to act upon your word because, Lord, you've got something for me. Please don't let me miss it tonight. I rebuke doubt and fear. And, Lord, I lose the power of the Holy Ghost. I just ask that you have your way. Do your work. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray tonight. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You can be seated. We live in a country that is all too familiar with the joys of convenience. With only a few clicks of a mouse or taps of a thumb, you can have an item delivered to your doorstep within days. Amazon has pushed the envelope to provide an even greater convenience for you. Now, you only need to wait a few hours for that workout DVD (laughs) that you'll sit on the couch and watch one time before you realize it's not as convenient of a workout as you thought it would be. <laughs> and speaking of working out, there is, there is that convenient neighborhood gym just around the corner from you with all kinds of neat-looking machines that you know nothing about and you will never use. But it's calling your name every day as you pass by. It's a safe place. It's a place where you can go any time of the day or night. You simply stop in and put your debit card on file for the right to have a guilty conscience. (laughs) Every time you drive by with that convenient Starbucks Frappuccino and that convenient blueberry muffin. Convenience. There are restaurants on every corner You're free to choose whether or not you want cheap, fast food that's packed with hundreds of life-killing preservatives that will live on in your body long after you're dead and gone. Or you can choose from from one of these uh, loopy health nut shops. I don't know if you have them here in Milwaukee, but we have them back home in Austin, Texas. A bunch of hippies out there, all organic, everything fresh, and it's expensive. You'll get what you pay for in either case for the sake of convenience. 
you'll pay a high price for either one. Not too long ago, I went to the grocery store and I picked up one of those brilliant tied white pins. You know what I'm talking about? Now those things are convenient. Though my shirt be as scarlet, <laughs> it's now a not so dingy white because those tied white pins really do a good job. But I was cheated when I bought the spray-on wrinkle remover. <laughs> that stuff does not work, man. You still got to iron your clothes. Although perhaps I should have sprayed it while it was still on the hanger and not while it was on my back. It's probably not going to work. I should have followed instructions. We're all certainly beneficiaries of modern conveniences that are available to us today. But there are consequences to convenience. I don't know if I told you. I think I told this on Saturday. Some of you heard it. I don't know if I told the whole congregation, so I'll tell it again. And Just stop me. Just give me a good old Baptist nod if I have, and I'll just move on. <laughs> skydiving. I went skydiving one time, August 25th, 2005. If I told you this, it's a day I will never forget. My buddy and I, his, name, his name's Jonathan Pond. He's real country and real hick. I know I sound like a hick from Texas, from the sticks, but I'm really from Austin, Texas, and it's, it's a liberal town. It's a, it's a city. I don't, I don't know anything about the country, but everything I needed to know, Jonathan Pond taught me. And so we would do stupid things growing up, as young men do. And one of the things we did, we went skydiving. I had just turned 21. And there are two places around the Austin area that have skydiving. One of them is in San Marcos. That's the reputable place. The other is in a place called Lexington. It's a small town that nobody's ever heard of. And we didn't know what, where this place was either. But it was closed. And so since we're jumping 10,000 feet out of an airplane, we figure we have to go with the cheapest route. So we pick Lexington, the not-so-reputable place, and we drive out there. The day of, we're passing, no kidding, we're passing barns and, and cows and horses and, and goats, and, and we're, getting, we're, supposed to get, we're getting closer and closer, and I'm thinking, something is not right, we're probably lost. We pull down the gravel road, and there are literally shacks that line the left side of the road and chickens running around. And I said, we have to be lost. And a guy comes running out of one of the shacks and he's waving us down. Hey, y'all here for skydiving? And he's got two teeth in his head. <laughs> and so we're caught now. And so John and I get out of the car and we go inside one of these small shacks. And do you remember the old school desk with the, uh, the desk is attached to the chair. It wraps around. You remember those? It was a shack full of these, and on the smallest monitor you've ever seen, in black and white and rolling with snow, they played a skydiving safety video, and we had to watch this video. So we watched it, and afterwards they give us a packet to sign, basically signing our lives away. If we die, our family's not going to sue. If we break any bones, you know, we're not going to sue. 
And so you can imagine how I was sweating as I signed my name. We get outside and, and you, have to, you have to go tandem first. You have to go with an instructor. And so he was packing my parachute. And as he was, I couldn't help but ask him, I was drilling him, what's your success rate? <laughs> Has anybody broken any bones? Uh, is, have you lost anybody? He said, well, I've jumped about 6,000 times and haven't lost anybody yet. Well, that's pretty good odds. So he finishes with my parachute. He puts me in a harness that goes over my shoulders and comes up here against my upper thigh. And then he just kind of pulls tight. Now, I was heavier, um, if you can believe that. I know I'm heavy now, but I was heavier then, probably 30 pounds heavier. And um, we go, we get in the plane, and I'm not kidding you, the insides of the plane are duct taped. I don't have the imagination to make this stuff up. That may be okay, but for somebody who's ignorant of planes and knows nothing about planes, I'm thinking something's not right. Can I tell you I was repenting <laughs> and that I was ready to meet the Lord that day. And so it's a 15-minute flight until you reach altitude and then the captain will cut off the engine or whatever he does and you're just suspended in midair. So I was first... <laughs> And so I moved to the edge of the plane, my feet hanging in the air, and the instructor says, okay, to give you uh, some pointers here, I'm going to wave my arms in front of you when it's time to pull the parachute. You'll, you'll need me to do that because if I scream, you're not going to hear me. And you need to know because there's a small tug. I said, okay, small tug. Now you're attached by four metal clips like your key ring. There are two at the top back and two at the lower back. And so he says, on the count of three, just roll out. <laughs> Easy for you to say. So he counts to three, and I cannot move. He says, okay, I don't know if you heard me, but we're going to count to three. And you're just going to roll out. So he counts to three, and folks, I'm paralyzed. I cannot move. He says, all right, I'll help you out this time. I'll count to three, and I'll just give you a little nudge. And I didn't hear three. I heard two. <laughs> and away we went. The first thing I'm doing is looking back and making sure he's still attached to me. Once I figure he's still attached, then it's actually a, a fun time. 45-second free fall without a parachute. And then he waves his arms in front of me. And here comes the small tug. He pulls that parachute. And I fall through my harness. What was up here against my upper legs is now beneath my knees. My shoulders are coming through the straps. And I'm saying, something is wrong. <laughs> Something's not right. I'm hang, desperately trying to hang on to a strap, to, to his shirt, to something attached to him. And he's saying, you're fine. You're okay. And literally, if you don't believe me, you can go on YouTube and, and you can see it happen to an 80-something-year-old woman. Hers was worse than mine. But mine was like that. The instructor actually had to hang on to her for dear life. 
And here comes John. He's to my right, and they're doing tricks, and they're doing flips. And I'm saying, we're not doing any of that. But we're just getting to the ground here. So it's a minute and a half till you get to the ground. And, the, you know, you can't just plop down really nice. But the wind is carrying you heavy. And so you have to run. And since the harness was under my knees and I'm hanging out, I can't run. <laughs> Can I tell you, I hurt for weeks. The point is, <laughs> when you go skydiving, don't look for convenience. Don't look for the best deal. Don't go on Groupon and look. I just pay the big bucks, okay? There are some things that you just have to pay the big bucks. And that's one of them. Oftentimes, convenience can breed and even promote a laziness in our culture. After all, who doesn't want to just sit back and relax and let somebody else do the work? It's easier sometimes, young people, to uh, consult Dr. Wikipedia or Professor Google than it is to actually do some research or some study on your own. I've been guilty before of in the past when I had a full-time uh, secular job of telling my coworkers, I don't have the answer, but I, I know who to find. Perhaps a little bit of laziness on my part. If there's one phrase that we've all heard, and some of you have been guilty of saying it, I don't want my kids to have to go through what I went through growing up. And although your intentions are pure, Little do we realize that what we're saying is, I want to hand the next generation something that they didn't earn or that they did not work for, but that somebody else earned for them. Convenience, we're talking about. There are churches that you can find today that will be more than happy to cash your offering check, and they'll tell you what your itching ears would like to hear in a society that screams intolerance. For the sake of convenience, unfortunately, there are churches that are folding left and right under the pressure. But I'm so thankful for a church and for a pastor that has his hands grasped firmly around this book. And he's standing like a beacon of hope to those shipwrecked souls who need the lighthouse. I'm so thankful for a church and people are coming from all over Brookfield to experience something real, something genuine, something real is happening here. A church that will stand on the objective morality of the word of God and will not give place to the lying devil who's only out to steal, kill, and destroy. Oh, somebody thank God for the church, for the church of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. And still, with all the modern technology and conveniences at our disposal, there is an old-fashioned God who's sitting up upon his throne and he's looking out over it all. He's not intimidated by the times. In Micah 3 and 6, he says, For I am the Lord, I change not. And the psalmist said this in Psalm 102, Of old you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish but you will endure. Yes, they will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You will change them and they will be changed, but you are the same and your years will have no end. The New Testament writer would echo the same about the God who wrapped himself in flesh, saying Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
He changes not. James said in his epistle, there is no variableness. There is no shadow of turning with him. I'm so thankful that we have a God that we can trust, that he means what he says and he says what he means. He will do what he said he would do. You never have to wonder if God is going to keep his promise. You never have to worry if God's going to go back on his word, but he is a faithful God. He is a consistent God in a world of brokenness. One thing is sure, he is faithful and he never fails. Amen. And can I tell you, because God does not change, his word is forever settled. But did not God himself specifically spell out plans for his people to sacrifice to him? In fact, do not the majority of the first five books of the Bible, do not they contain instructions regarding the how, what, when, where, and why of sacrifice. Go read it for yourself. There were so many sacrifices to offer to God. How could anybody keep up? I believe I mentioned last time that one Jewish historian estimated from, from 2.7 million people, there were 20,000 blood sacrifices a day. What an exhausting life. But this same God who spelled out sacrifice also said this in Amos chapter 5. He said, I hate, I despise your feast days. And I do not savor your sacred assemblies. Though you offer me burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I will not accept them. I will not accept them, nor will I regard your fat and peace offerings. Take away from me the noise of your song, for I will not hear the melody of your stringed instruments, but let justice run down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. God said, I'm tired of your ritualism. I'm tired of ceremonialism. I'm tired of your religion. I want your heart. I want more than your religion. I want more than lip service. And he said in the Old Testament that my people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are so far from me. He said they know exactly what, what instrument to play and what note to, to strum, but, but their hearts are so far from me. I don't want that anymore. I want your heart. I want a relationship. The prophet Samuel gave very clear instructions. You heard them from the Lord to King Saul. Destroy the Amalekites all of them, every single living and breathing thing. But Saul's good friend, Pride, came along and put his arm around his shoulder and said, I have a better idea than that. Spare the king of the Amalekites so you can show off your victory. You'll bind him in chains. All of his people will be dead. He'll be just as good as dead. Why don't you just spare him so you can show the people and for convenience sake, Saul went ahead and took the best of the animals as well. Whether the people really pressured him to keep the animals or he was simply blaming the people, who can really say for sure? But he looked the man of God in the face and said it would be a good sacrifice unto the Lord. A convenient sacrifice, if you will. A sacrifice in Saul's own time and in his own way. That's what he was willing to give to God. A sacrifice that was never intended to be a sacrifice at all. Why? Because God told him, destroy everything. It was not Saul's spoil to begin with. He put something that belonged rather to the enemy. 
It was never his, but he wanted to hang on to it for a while. He wanted to just entertain it for a while. Don't you see, Saul? You want to offer me something that is not yours on your own time and even against my word and act like you're doing me a favor, Saul. No, keep your convenient sacrifice, Saul. I don't want your sacrifice. I want your obedience. I want your obedience, but simple obedience to God's plan was not enough for Saul. Obeying the commands of God was something that he used to do when he was little in his own eyes, when he was a man of humility, but he had outgrown that now. The audacity of Saul is revolting. How could the man do such a thing as defy the very word of God like this was some cheap game? But I'm afraid that that very same spirit of convenience that choked out the humility of Saul is attempting to creep into and overtake our hearts and our homes and our churches. Please hear me. It's so much more convenient sometimes to church hop nowadays and look for the best programs or the best Sunday school for the kids than it is to get our hands dirty and make a difference in the body of Christ. It's so much more convenient to come and sit on a church pew or sit in church chairs and criticize the pastor for preaching it too straight or the music for being too contemporary or maybe too old school or criticize the sound man even or the people than it is to obey the Lord and put our hands to the plow and lift up the leadership in prayer and ask, what can I do to help the body of Christ? But it's so much more easier. It's so, it's so much more convenient for us to throw money at the church and, and boast of our benevolence than it is to just be the church that God's called us to be and to give ourselves to help a brother or a sister in need or even a stranger. But it's so much more convenient to read the latest book or download the latest song or, or talk about the latest sermon, the greatest preacher that you've ever heard than it is to actually just hit our knees in prayer and fasting with a desire to see God move like he never has before. And even so, even above all of this, some find it so much more convenient to fast than to just simply obey the voice of God we would rather starve ourselves than to destroy that grudge that we've been hanging on to against our brother or sister it's more convenient to fast from food than to sever ties with that unhealthy immoral relationship that God has directed and commanded us to give up am I being real tonight can I tell you that all we're doing is going hungry when we choose rather to fast rather than obey the voice of God. That's all we're doing is going hungry because he says, I'm not the God of your all too convenient sacrifice, Saul. I don't need your sacrifice. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. Why would I need your sacrifice, Saul? I'm the God of those who obey my word. If you're backslidden in your heart, can I reach for you for a moment? We've been given very clear instructions from the word of God. And as I said a few minutes earlier, nothing has changed. And although there is none who abounds in the richness of love and mercy like our God, he still means business. Yet how many of us are hanging on to what God has told us already to destroy? 
I'll sacrifice this that the Lord requires one day. I'm just waiting on a convenient time to do so. I'll destroy everything that is not pleasing to God one day. One day, preacher, when I'm ready, on my terms, in my own time. I intend to give my life to God. I intend to destroy everything that's not pleasing to him. But I'm not ready to do that just yet. Right now, I'm comfortable. Right now, I'm having too much fun. Right now, I feel fine. But I'll sacrifice one day when it doesn't hurt as much to let go. Yes, I intend to. I intend to. After all, God knows my heart. Oh, we deceive ourselves. Yes, that's the problem. That is the problem. God knows our hearts. That's no statement of comfort. I know intellectually that God's way is better than my own way. I intend to sacrifice at a more convenient hour what God has told me already to destroy, but it's, it's so much more convenient to pray for God to be my Savior than it is to pray to Him to be my Lord and my Master. It's so much easier to live that way. And when I get myself in trouble, to call on His name and say, hey, come rescue me, come pull me out of this darkness, out of this sin. It's so much easier to live that way than it is to walk with Him each and every day and say, no, I've made up my mind and I'm determined I'm going to obey the voice of the Lord. Oh, don't let convenience choke you out, church. I'm talking to us all tonight, every single one. Don't let that convenience choke you. Hear me, church member or backslider or guest of ours tonight. We're so thankful that you're here. God is not here to condemn you tonight. That's why he sent a messenger to share the word of God with you. He's here to show mercy to you. That's why you're hearing this very message right now. Unfortunately, Saul didn't have a second opportunity. When he disobeyed the voice of the Lord, he was cut off. Can I tell you, God no longer desires the convenient sacrifices of our praise or our prayers or our thanksgivings or our songs or our fasts or our offerings. God doesn't want those things anymore. All he simply wants is our obedience. He wants our heart. Come home tonight. Make up your mind tonight. I'm not offering God this meaningless, artificial, convenient sacrifice, but I'm giving God what he asked for. I'm giving him my whole heart. I'm giving him my obedience. I'm giving him my all. Proverbs 13 and 13 says, he who despises the word will be destroyed. Destroyed. But he who fears the commandment will be rewarded. Wow. What a promise from God. All you have to do is fear the commandment. Not just hear the word, but obey the word. And you'll be rewarded. Luke eleven twenty eight. Jesus said, more than that. More than blessed be the, the lady who gave birth to me. More than that. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. And keep it. In James 1.22, he said, Be ye doers of the word and not hearers, only deceiving yourselves. 
Logically, Saul had to know that God's way was always the best way. He grew up around God's people. He's seen God perform countless miracles, but practically, that was a problem. Practically, Saul did not carry out God's instruction. Why? Was he not anointed the king and the leader of all Israel? Was he not the child of God? Where did Saul go wrong? Pride and arrogance will cause us to puff up and do that which is convenient in our own eyes. Even build a monument to yourself as Saul did. Proverbs 16 and 18 says, Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. But what obedience will cost you in laying aside your pride, can I tell you, it will more than make up for in humility. Psalm 51, 17 says the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. In 1 Peter 5, 6, therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. A spirit of convenience will strip you of your faith in God. There are no unknowns when you do that which is convenient in your own eyes. And therefore, no reason to trust God. You've got this handled. You have the controls in your hand. You're going to do it your way. You don't need to obey the voice of the Lord. And that's where Saul was. But can I tell you that the word of God says different in Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that seems right to a man. It seems right to a man. But its end is the way of death. Obedience will build up your faith. It will force you to venture out into the unknown, into new territory, uh, ter territory. And the only option that you have is to take God at his word. You see, a convenient sacrifice is simply a lie. It's not a sacrifice at all. But obedience to God's word is tested. It's tried. It's true. There's a great upfront cost associated with obedience, but everybody can afford to pay it, and you cannot afford not to. Because a convenient sacrifice ultimately will strip you of your salvation and your walk with God. But obedience to his commands will save you. It will save you. Please destroy that convenient sacrifice once and for all. And pick up rather that willing spirit of obedience and say, God, whatever you're telling me to do, my response is yes and amen. Without hesitation, I'm saying yes to your call. But if you continue to be casual and indifferent and nonchalant about the word of God and the commands of God, can I tell you that the cost of convenience may just be you changing the truth of God into a lie. Saul ultimately deceived himself, proclaiming that he had done all that the Lord had told him to do. You heard the man. I'm not putting words in his mouth. He told the prophet, he said, I, I've done as the Lord commanded. I've done everything that he told me to do. Oh, please, please don't deceive yourself. But say, God, whatever you say, I don't care how much it hurts right now. I don't care how uncomfortable it is right now. I will obey you fully. There is hope tonight. There is mercy and forgiveness tonight. I'm so thankful for it, God.
who loves us so much that he's reaching for us right now. Amen. And God is giving each and every one of us a chance to fully obey him tonight. Please don't miss it. Please don't miss your opportunity that you have with God right now. I used to fly a lot, but I, I drive now because I'm poor. <laughs> I was in an airport in Columbus, Ohio a couple years ago. And I had checked in. My flight was, I think, at 7.20, something like that. I checked in plenty of time. I had done my reading. I had done everything that I needed to do. And so I was, uh, I said, well, I think I'll just rest my head. I don't, I don't know about you, but I can sleep anywhere. I could fall asleep right here. And uh, I wouldn't be bothered. I don't need a blanket or anything. I don't need a pillow. I'm fine. I wish I wasn't like that, but I just fall asleep like that. And so I rest my head. And about 15, 20 minutes later, I look up. And it looks strange around me. The people weren't the same. I looked up at the screen and what once said Austin, Texas, now said Charlotte, North Carolina. And I said, hmm, that's weird. I said, well, we are in Ohio. Who knows? They may be having a snowstorm. We might be getting diverted. I don't know. Who knows? We'll probably be here all night. And so I started to get uneasy, though. So I got up and I paced back and forth. I was trying to find somebody who'd help. I looked out the window and I saw the plane there. I said, yeah, they got to be filling it up or cleaning it or whatever they do before we board. Finally, I found her and I said, ma'am. I'm going to Austin, Texas. She said, oh yeah, you missed it. I said, what? How did I miss it? I was literally 10 feet from the gate. I was the closest one to the gate. How in the world did I miss it? I said, did nobody care to wake me up? Hey, we're getting on. Come on. No, I just showed up two hours early for the flight to North Carolina. Thank you so much. How in the world did I miss it? And I was, I was thinking, I thought I did hear somebody over a loudspeaker in my dreams. I was right there, the closest one, and I completely missed it. To think that you could be sitting in the presence of God and completely miss what he's trying to tell you tonight. It was nobody else's responsibility to wake me up. You know, not, not even the preacher can wake you up. I would love to, if I could, if there was a way, if I just shake you a little bit, if that worked. I mean, I would do whatever. If, if even I could, I could just pop you in the eye or something. I mean, we're talking about eternity here, right? I mean, what's a little pop in the eye for eternity? And I would do it, and you might pop me back, but it'd be worth it if I could wake you up, right? But, you know, not even the preacher can wake you up. Nobody can wake you up. But you have to be aware. You have to realize that God's speaking to you at this very moment, and that now is the time to obey his voice fully, and that I can't walk out these doors being the same person that I've always been, but I've got to say yes to God because the word of the Lord has gone forth for me tonight, and I can't afford to miss it. I've got to fully obey fully 
I'm talking to somebody tonight. I know that I am. Please don't miss it. But you know what's great about God? Is that your complete understanding is not a prerequisite for obedience to his word. You may not fully understand why God is telling you to do something. But if you'll just step out in faith and trust him, he'll show up and he'll show off. Obedience brings about the miraculous. God is ready to show off his power on behalf of somebody that simply takes him at his word and obeys his voice. It makes no sense. Think about it. To the human mind, it makes no sense why God would tell Saul, destroy everything. I mean, if you kill the enemy, why can't you have his goods? I mean, why do you have to kill all the animals too? That doesn't make sense. The enemy's dead. He's not going to use them. Why can't we take them? What do the animals do? But that's exactly the point. His ways are so much higher than our ways. His thoughts so much higher than our thoughts. And we don't serve a God who follows our logic, but we follow him by faith. Amen? Think of how that would boost the Israelite economy. All of those animals, just let them go to waste. It doesn't make sense. But God's not looking for you to understand. He's looking for you to obey. What God simply wants to do is keep you and protect you from yourself. As we see it play out in the story. And Saul got too high and too mighty. I can do this. And he followed his own way. And it was a sure path to pride and destruction. God's trying to spare you. God's trying to save you. He's outside of time looking in your little box. And God knows everything from the, end, from the beginning to the end. And God's trying to save you from yourself and from the enemy who wants to take you and kill you and destroy you and your family and your influence and who you're called to be in God. God loves you. He's not trying to take away your fun. He's trying to protect you and save you. He's the creator. We're the created. Don't forget it. And he doesn't have to explain himself. Do you remember when you were a kid? Your frustration when mom and dad said, because I said so. Oh, I hated that. I'm wrapping up. Because I said so is not a reason. That's not a good, I need a reason. No, because I, because I said so. And now that you're older and some of you have kids, you understand why they did that so much. You can't explain everything to a three-year-old. To a, to a 15 year old even to an 18 you can't explain it all to them they haven't been there before but God knows and he sees and he's trying to keep you his way is so much higher than ours but we've just got to obey the voice of the Lord don't let that convenient spirit choke you out the word of the Lord has spoken for you tonight guest you're not exactly sure what all of this means perhaps but you know that you feel the presence of almighty god here tonight can i tell you what you're feeling is god just speaking to you in a loving way he's calling you just obey my voice i'll protect you i'll keep you can i tell you that god's victory over death hell and the grave means absolutely nothing 
if you fail to obey his voice. You can't apply that to your life. If you don't obey him fully, his sacrifice and his victory mean nothing. We can't apply it our way. We can't do it our way. We've all got to come to him the same way in repentance. If the music would come. Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and he said, Repent, be baptized in Jesus' name. You shall receive the Holy Ghost. If there's no music, that's fine. That's okay. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Paul preached this very same message, this very same message to Felix. Acts 24. After certain days, when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time, when I have a convenient season, I'll call for thee. Please, don't miss what God is saying tonight. Paul stood there and preached the, the word of God, straight and plain, to Felix. But he said, no, I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready to fully obey the voice of God. Can I tell you, there is no convenient sacrifice. There is no convenient season. It's simply a lie from the devil himself. Don't fool around with the word of God, but say, yes, Lord. Yes, whatever you say. Would you stand to your feet tonight? Would you lift your hands? Would you say, God, whatever you're telling me to do, I may not understand it fully, but that's okay. I know that you've got me. I know that you've got me, God. I know that you're looking out for me because you love me. You love me, God. And even when I disobey and even when I do wrong, God, your mercy, your mercy is here for me tonight. God, I, I can feel your spirit tonight. I know that you're speaking to me directly. Lord, I'm ready to obey your voice. I'm not going to hesitate. I'm not going to do it my way any longer. I'm not going to argue with you anymore, God. I'm not, I'm not going to do any of that, but I'm just going to simply... Say yes, I surrender, I submit.